1: our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. We have a tremendous privilege this morning. The uh, Reverend Paul Billy Arnold is going to be uh, preaching here with us. Um, he was raised in Bangalore, India, which... Uh, for most of you, I didn't even know where Bangalore, India, was until uh, last year. His father was the uh, director of Child Evangelism Fellowship in India years ago, and Child Evangelism Fellowship is the organization we work with that uh, does the Good News Clubs. Reverend Arnold is a graduate of Covenant Seminary. Uh, he's the pastor and uh, uh, planter of Bangalore Presbyterian Church. He's the director of the street child ministry in Bangalore that uh, that we underwrite, on Grace House. He's also MTW's Director of New Ministry Development in South India, which is a uh, new initiative to uh, have uh, scores of churches planted in uh, southern India. He's married, his wife's name is Shirley, the father of three, Jesidus, Elsie, and Joseph. Last February, Matt Jones and I got a chance to spend a week with his family there as we looked at the uh, street children ministry and the other work that uh, Reverend Arnold is involved in. And I can say that, that he lives out the Christian life in humble dependence on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, please let me uh, welcome him with a word of prayer as he comes to uh, deliver the word to us this morning. Father, we do thank you for your grace uh, and your mercy poured out before us. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word preached to us this morning we pray that you would bless the preaching of the word. We pray that you would give us ears to hear. We pray, Lord, that, uh, that Pastor Arnold would not be mindful of men, but that he would declare strongly what your word has for us this morning, and that we would walk forward in, uh, in obedience, in joy, and gladness in our hearts. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.
2: truly is a joy for me to be here this morning and worship God along with you. I do bring greetings from your brothers and sisters in Bangalore Presbyterian Church and do hope one day that we will rejoice in heaven together and sing his praise and exalt him as we have gathered here to do this morning. I would like for us to turn in our Bibles to the book of Haggai, chapter 1, in your Bibles, if you're Pew Bibles, it's page 791. I'd like for us to look at verses 2 to 14. In God's providence, I grew up in a covenant family. My parents took great care and every effort to train myself and my siblings in the Word of God. At the age of seven, I clearly remember understanding the gospel and my love for God being an outcome of understanding who He is and what He did for me. And as I studied God's Word, that love for Him grew. But as I entered college, my priorities soon shifted. From wanting to love and honor and serve God in pastoral and evangelistic work in ministry. My goal in college shifted to acquiring the skills that would be necessary for me to make a mark in market research and advertising. My goal shifted from wanting to exalt and honor God in my life to being more concerned about having a good time with friends I had acquired at college. As the Holy Spirit, through a variety of ways, reminded me of what I had felt God call me to do, I would respond, not audibly, but deep within, Not now. Not now, God. Not now. Not yet. For all of us who have had and who have responded in ways like this to the big and small things in life, I believe God wants us to listen to this passage because He he has instruction For us this morning. Let's read Haggai chapter 1. Reading verses 2 to 14. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you, yourselves, to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? No. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring timber and build a house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I call for a drought on the fields and on the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces. On men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shittel, son of Joshua, the son of Jehozarek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because The Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shittal, governor of Judah. And the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat the high priest and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence as your people recognizing our need and your ability To fulfill our need for wisdom. Bless us with your word merciful father. Holy spirit may your spirit. May your word come to us with clarity and conviction. So that we might live. Obediently. So that our hearts may be filled with joy. And that your name. May be lifted up. So that men. May come to you. In Jesus name we ask. Amen. 20 years had passed after they had returned from exile. They came back to Babylon. They came back from Babylon and they settled down in Jerusalem. Haggai was the prophet of God speaking on behalf of God to his people And I pray the words that he speaks to the people of, he spoke to the people of Jerusalem will speak to us even today. On this day, when Haggai was speaking, he was calling the people's attention to their failure to prioritize. He was calling the people to the attention Of their failure to prioritize. Haggai says in verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts. These people say. The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. They're saying. Not now God. Not now. They've been brought back from exile. Some of them were. Those who came back early in the, uh, in the time of the exiles returning. And the others came recently. Hagar was there at the beginning, around 539 BC, when the temple rebuilding work began. But somehow along the way, the work had come to a standstill. Various reasons were alluded to. One... There were Samaritans who lived in the area and the Samaritans were not happy that the temple was being rebuilt. There were people who were opposing the work of the Lord. And then history tells us that the Persians were at that point conquering Egypt. And because of that, they were constantly going in and out of Jerusalem. Perhaps some of the troops were stationed there and the people perhaps didn't want to Uh, get too much of attention by rebuilding the temple. Twenty years had passed. Their outward expression of piety betrayed a very different spirit inside. Because they decided, not yet, not now God, it was not time for us to work on what you want us to do. The time will come perhaps, but at a later time, in the future, but certainly not now. What was it that preoccupied them? They were building houses and that's a natural thing, it's a good thing, especially if you're the head of the home, that you provide a place of shelter. But one small detail in verse 4 reveals the true extent of their work. Our text gives us a peek into their hearts. It says, they were living in paneled houses. And that wasn't customary to have paneled houses in Jerusalem. Perhaps they were using the very same wood that God had instructed them to bring from Tyre and Sidon, mountain ranges of Tyre and Sidon. Maybe Haggai is saying that not only you have disobeyed God's word in building His house, but you've also taken and used what was meant to be used to build God's house. Many of the initial returnees to Jerusalem were not poor by any standards. Some commentators say that they were of extraordinary means. But in contrast, the temple lay in ruins. It was burnt down. Contrasting their homes built out of paneled wood and Solomon's temple lying in heaps on the floor, while they went about business as usual. But they had the cheek to say to God, the time for building is not now. While they pampered themselves. What they and we are saying when we live simply worrying and caring for ourselves is it's about me. It's about my home. It's about my comfort. It's about my ease. And that, and that takes priority over everything else. Even the kingdom of God. The mission that God has given us is to aggressively be a part The mission that God has given us is to be aggressively a part of what He has in plan for this world. But we so easily leave it for another day. It's easy to pray the prayer that He taught His disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will come be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know that our churches are involved in missions, and you as a church are involved in missions, and it's outstanding. But how many of us do that as a family and as individuals? When God is just a priority, instead of God helping us prioritize, it leads to us saying, not now God, not now. What does this lead to? The fruit of disappointment. Haggai opens up their life for them. And he shows them in verse 6. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is worn. He who earns his wages puts it in a bag with holes. Isn't that interesting? Haggai isn't saying that Jerusalem was poor. He isn't saying that the people of God are called to be poor. He doesn't say it's wrong to have means. No matter how much they had, they found that they were always lacking something else. They discovered that whatever they had, it wasn't satisfying them. What they thought would bring them joy, the things that they thought would bring satisfaction, didn't. Have you noticed that some of us are always complaining? I just had that. This situation just works out differently. Perhaps not loudly that others could hear, but deep within our hearts. Compared to many in this world, we are blessed, greatly blessed. But there is an unappeasable longing for just a little more. There is an extraordinary principle that is operating here. And that is, when you make this discovery, that if you live for the things of this world if you build your life entirely on the things of this world, you will discover disappointment. You will discover that the people in Jerusalem, you will discover what the people in Jerusalem were discovering. The fruit of disappointment. If life is reduced to the rat race, and if you're walking talking breathing the next thing you must do if every moment of your waking you are thinking about how you will get ahead in life get the next thing that you desire you will never be satisfied we will never experience what god intends for us to experience. What God is saying through Haggai to them and to us is is in verse 9. You looked for much and behold it came to little. And when you brought it home I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts because my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his or her own desires. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld dew, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on what man and beast and all their labors. We bring it home. We try our best to do what we think will make us happy, keep us comfortable. But God blows it away. They were living in perpetual frustration and discontentment, nothing satisfied. The simplicity of this message sometimes makes us race through this I think we've got it. But really, do we get it? If all we are is devoted to sowing, reaping, clothing ourselves, decorating our houses, getting ahead of our neighbors, if, if we're so consumed by this that we neglect God's Word and His bidding on our lives, if we neglect the body of Christ and our role in in it, if we neglect the calling that God places on each of us as individuals and as families, you can count on it that this life will be full of frustration. In the middle of the rat race in Jerusalem, God was calling His people and saying to them, if you want to have joy, if you want to really experience what I intend for you, then come, do my bidding. But if you want to live for yourself, don't be surprised if it all gets blown away. What is it that consumes us? What is it that grabs us when we get out of bed? What is it that keeps us going through the day? I believe that God wants us to hear something else. He wants us to hear His words of promise. Initially, Haggai was called a prophet. If you look at the the earlier part of this chapter, he's called a prophet. But then you come down to verse 13, and he's now referred to as a messenger. His message was simple, but it's powerful. I am with you. God's presence had an amazing impact on the people. They began to fear Him. They began to fear God. It wasn't just about lip service. It wasn't about just saying, God, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. It was more than that. There was now an inward response. There was a reverence and awe of God's presence with them. Verse 12 tells us that the people feared the Lord. A reverence of God that resulted in obedience to Him. Not out of fear, but out of awe of His love, awe of His goodness, awe of of His majesty. A reverence that caused a governor, a high priest, and an entire remnant to relent from the ways of folly, fa- the, the ways of putting themselves and putting God first. Now they began the work on God's house, God's presence in our lives has an amazing impact, has an amazing effect. It produces peace. It produces purpose. It produces power to fulfill His purpose. Peace shows itself by the ability to relate to God in the manner we were created to relate to God. To experience that relationship in its fullest sense. The ability to relate to one another in peace. Purpose provides the understanding of what God desires of us. And power, the ability to do God's purposes by each one of us as individuals and as families and as the body of Christ. The presence of God in His children is not only that He is in them, but He is also with them and for them. That's a great promise for us as His people to know that our God is with us, with us and for us. His chosen people, he is present with. His love, grace and mercy. Powerfully working in all things. For our everlasting advantage. It gives us tremendous confidence. To put our trust in Him. Our God is near. He's near to us. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to those who are of a contrite spirit. He's near to them who call on him. He's near with power to defend us and to preserve us, to enable us. He is near with bountiful resources to provide those who are in need. He is near with comfort. He is near with wisdom. Does that inspire you to know that our God is with us? Doesn't that the truth cause you to trust Him? To not have to take the driver's seat and, and, and work on our lives so that we make something out of it. In our own ability, in our own power. He knows what's best for us. Oh, does He? Do you believe that? That the God who lives in us really knows what's best for us? And can you trust Him? His power to bring that to pass. But yes, you and I need to yield ourselves, our lives and say, Yes, have thine own way. Have thine own way, O Lord, in my life. For no matter where you may take us, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. And you will never allow me to be destroyed. But the opposite is also true. And you see that in this text. When the prophet says in verse 5, consider your ways, give careful thought, stop, think about it for a moment. What are we living for? What is the main purpose of our existence? God spells it out for the people in verse 8 Go up to the hills, bring wood. Build a house that I take pleasure in so that I may be glorified, says the Lord. As long as the temple lay in ruins, they were saying. You know what? Seventy years we've been away, we didn't have a temple. Twenty years we've been back, we didn't have a temple. We got by. We can do it. We can live. If we do something, if we start building the temple... Or then we'll have to do all of what the temple requires of us. We'll have to do the sacrifices. We'll have to go through the rituals. Sometimes that's the feeling we get, don't we? God is too intrusive in my life. If I yield to Him, then I'm going to have to do all that He says. People heard God's word. But they were busy with their agenda, their own strategy for life. God says, that isn't going to take you far. It may appear to take you, but at the end, it's going to bring your ruin. So they see the futility of their ways. And they recognize. God's words of promise. The promise He is with them. And it transforms them. It just brings about a radical transformation. That God is with us. And He wants to be with us. Everywhere. Every moment. And lead us and guide us and take us to places that we haven't been in our walk with Him. What is your response to God's promise? Over the last 14 years I have been serving in India part of a pioneering effort to plant reformed churches in South India. And in the last five years we've been aggressively planting churches Using our local church as a strategic platform to plant these churches. And to do other ministries that we feel God has called us to. And I must say that life has been busy for me. Traveling. Meeting folks. Mentoring church planters. And these times of busyness have... Affected my schedules. And sometimes they've even hindered my own spiritual growth. And at times like this, I've caught myself saying to God, not now. I'm busy. I've got a schedule. I've got to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I haven't taken care of my own renewal and refreshment. And I guess it's no surprise that in those moments, those days, those seasons, have been times of frustration, failure. Perhaps you're like me. God is calling us through the prophet Haggai and through his words to recognize that He is with us. He wants to delight us with His presence. He wants to fill our heart with peace, with purpose, and with power. When You receive His words of promise to you. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you and we praise you that your presence is marvelous and it brings such joy and fullness to us. I pray, O Lord, that you will enable us to see the futility of our ways without you and our ways of putting things and priorities other than you in the driver's seat. Pray that we will have the humility to evaluate life and to see the things that we've put in your place we will have the humility to seek forgiveness. And that, Father, that we would put you as the only priority. And allow you to guide our steps. Whether it is in raising children, making investments, running businesses, managing the home, whatever you may call us to. And we recognize that your presence is with us, that you will guide and lead. In Jesus' name we
0: pray.
1: Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times directions to the church and to subscribe to this podcast our web address is fortworthpca.org Fort Worth presbyterian is a part of the presbyterian church in america
0: My fears away. Won't you chase my fears away?